find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I think we're out there, right? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. <laughs> Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. All right. Welcome back to a brand new live stream of <laughs> Critics Not Cynics podcast does look like we managed to actually get everything set up right right now so we should be good looks like also my recording of this should be good for anyone who doesn't listen to this live and listens to the audio only they will now get to experience because they got to miss out last week or not last week two weeks ago well and hopefully i'm not as echoey today we switched up my mic a little bit yeah i think so hopefully it won't be it won't sound funky the whole time uh, so yeah, um, welcome back. I'm glad to be doing it. We we intended to stream last week as well, but unfortunately, like we were having some kind of like internet issues local, so we figured let's not risk it and um, try to uh, have a smoother stream this time. And like Leslie said, we kind of hopefully we got the. Uh, echo thing kind of taken care of on her end um but yeah uh, here we are welcome back we'll see if anyone decides to to show up and chat today um hopefully i don't know if david will be back but uh if he is it'll be great because i'm sure we can all argue again about book of boba fett um (laughs) but then to get the normal youtube spiel stuff out of the way you know, like, share, subscribe, uh, hit the notification bell. If you like our live streams, be sure to share them out. Um, and yeah, follow us on all our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all that jazz and Podbean and all that stuff. I haven't perfected the speech if no one has been able to tell. For as long as we've been doing this, even on audio only, I haven't been able to just come up with a mainline script. So, that like feels natural, you know? Yeah. Well, because yeah, you can really tell when you like watch other YouTubers, they have like a spiel that kind of feels natural to them, and it's not just like, you know, the whole click like, please subscribe, hit that bell. <laughs> well, and like you know, they don't like doing it too, but it's unfortunately right. the way uh, the way she goes. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're back uh, again. Like we said, we were going to talk about the the finale of uh, Book of Boba Fett. Um, talk about Reacher, the new um, series streaming on Prime. And uh, I know Leslie's not a horror fan, but I do have uh, plans to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, reboot sequel or requel as uh, coined in Scream. 
um, <laughs> just say I got it watched and uh, Pat was going to potentially join us tonight. So I was adding a topic of conversation for him outside of uh, Book of Boba Fett. But uh, I did watch it and I have some thoughts. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of what's on the agenda. Now, whether or not we'll make it two hours, that'll be up in the air. I'm a little not like sick or anything, but just definitely zero energy uh right now so we'll see we'll see i'm sure once we get going on subjects and if anyone (laughs) argues in chat with us uh it'll probably go two hours but all right um so so what are we starting with figure um let's go ahead and get book of boba fett out of the way because it's just a single episode we've got to cover um so warnings spoilers uh i mean yeah, major it, spoilers it's it's been two weeks so i i assume uh you know most people yeah. will have watched it at this point but yeah it's definitely the one where i'm like yeah people may or may not have uh necessarily gotten it watched yet so uh let's just dive into it um overall very good episode um I thought it was very well done and it meant this was the episode that did manage to balance uh, Boba with the Mandalorian. So with Din, like, whereas we felt like the, the prior two episodes where it's one specifically was very heavy Din. And then the other one was like more Din, but a little bit of Boba. Um, But this one seemed to kind of balance that, that dynamic out a little bit more. I don't know if you thought the same or not. Yeah, I I mean, I loved the episodes, like, don't get me wrong, but I feel like the show as a whole, being the book of Boba Fett, didn't really do anything. I mean, when they say we're going to have a Boba Fett show, it's going to be the book of Boba Fett, we're going to see, you know, what he's doing afterwards. I, I don't really feel like this really did anything much for me in that regard. Like, all the episodes were good. I enjoyed them all. I, I liked the story, you know, and everything, but really the shining stars are, you know, the last couple episodes there, especially episode six. It was kind of like, this is nice, but not necessarily something I need. Like, right. I don't know. I, it, because I feel like it's such a weird criticism because it's like, I genuinely enjoyed the whole thing, but also it was just kind of okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's really weird Excuse me. Considering that, like, you know, Filoni and, and Favreau are, are, you know, directly involved with this one, it did seem to kind of feel like it had a lack of direction. Yeah. Um, and and <clears throat> like not like the individual episodes weren't directed well or anything like that. Just meaning where they wanted to take it, because uh, quite, quite frankly, I feel like this would have been better if they had decided to just set it all post return of the Jedi, but pre Mandalorian season two, like give us this fill in period of where has Boba been? Uh, Then you don't get kind of the arguments of, well, he's not in his armor most of the time, or he's (laughs) talking too much or stuff like that. Um, Yeah. Cause you could have handled that. Cause that seemed to be overall what was like the real drag down is they were cramming those two sides of the story in those first three episodes and although each were great in their own, they took away from the other when, you know, they would switch back and forth between the storytelling. Yeah. Um, and whereas then once they got past that point, 
and got us up to speed where Boba was prior to the episode he shows up in Mandalorian season two, then everything seemed to kind of finally kick full gear. But still, I think like the whole Pike syndicate thing wasn't done well enough. Yeah. Um, Especially when they throw in the whole subterfuge that they were the ones that killed the Tuscans, like all because of, of course, the train raid. But like it, it didn't seem like that shocking when it should have been that shocking because the Nictos, like you're, you really are supposed to believe that the Nictos are the ones that killed them. Like they got the mm-hmm. gang symbol down and everything. Yeah. So when you throw that extra kind of, ooh, but it was really the Pikes all along. It's like, okay, like yeah. why? You know, I'll, I'll, again, yeah, there was the train raid, but I don't know. Um, so I feel like, uh, and there seems to potentially be plans for a season two. Um, I feel like season two is going to hopefully do bounds uh, better with moving the story forward. Yeah, it just, it honestly just kind of felt like a side quest. Mm -hmm. Like Mandalorian's the main line that we're going with. And then this is this little boop side over here if you kind of want to fill out a little bit, but you don't necessarily need to understand what's going on in the main story. Yeah, it, it was like a um, oh, we're gonna have a delay filming season three of Mandalorian, right. so we need something to kind of uh, fill since we don't have uh, the Rangers yet, or we don't have Ahsoka yet, or you know mm-hmm. we don't have some of these other shows out there ready quite yet. So let's go ahead, quick film a quick uh, seven episode season of Book of Boba Fett, and then we'll get you know our stuff set up for season three, and of course like because Pedro Pascal is kind of in high demand right now because he's doing the last of us uh, show for HBO and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, that starts kind of bleeding into the show itself. Like you said, it's just that side quest because we need something in there. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we still get some great stuff. I mean, Oh yeah, definitely. We get, you know, the Rancor uh, King Kong, uh, homage uh you know we get cad bane and uh boba showdown and everything like that so mm-hmm. um yeah overall i was still pleased with it but I, I still think that there were ways that they could have improved yeah and i'm i'm just kind of thinking how do i how do we want to organize there's like a couple of things so like let's let's talk about cad bane for okay. a minute because with as hyped as it was in episode six that he came back, my first initial watching of the finale was like, oh, yeah, they just killed him off like that. Like, I I was really disappointed with that. I had to go back and rewatch it. And that's when I noticed the beeping on his, uh, you know, chest plate thing or whatever he's wearing, vest, whatever. You know, and our theory is that it's calling his little droid yeah. maybe to pick him up or somebody to help him. Which is, like, that's good, because I don't want him to, I, I don't know, I just didn't feel like that was an epic enough showdown to be like, you just brought Cad Bane in, and now he's dead. Although, I will say that if they're going to go with, no, he's dead, at least they've introduced a live-action him that can be in past, you know, versions if they go back and, like, here's what Ahsoka was doing and she crossed paths with Cad Bane at this point and that point and whatever. So like we, we know what he looks like in live action, you know, that th- there's potential they can use him. But I, I really didn't, I, I felt like their showdown was good, but not good enough for that to be the end of him and for him to die right there. And right. they lingered on him 
at the end there. So it's like, well, they did follow TV rules of here's the dead body, but also they lingered on him a lot. And if you noticed, you know, that little blinking thing on his vest. So maybe he's coming back. Maybe. If my camera manages to pick it up, a, a, a third co-host has decided to jump into my lap. I, I see a cat tail. <laughs> yes, that, that is that is Watson. He's currently uh, wanting some pets right now. So uh, <laughs> welcome welcome to the show, Kitty. Um, all right, yeah, you know, and I caught the uh, I caught the Cad Bane like chess piece uh, blinking right away, and that was kind of my thought uh, was that like either someone's coming to get him, or this will be some type of like resuscitatory uh, action Thanks. that he's got kind of built in because uh, Star Wars theory uh, pointed this out because you know he's insane with his knowledge of Star Wars, um, where he you know he's talked about that in a deleted scene. From Clone Wars, like Boba actually, hey, stop messing with the mic. Um, you know, actually shoots him in the head, which explains why he has the metal plate uh, on the back of his head. Uh, yeah. And that's also like the infamous showdown of how Boba gets was, the dent in the helmet. Yeah, the dent in his um, helmet, yeah. And that he was able to survive that. Uh, and then he has the tubes for his breathing, which is a uh, precautionary method against Jedi or Sith. Uh, so that he can continue breathing. Um, so any kind of, you know, damage Choke to cold. his, yeah, and any damage to his lungs could potentially be, uh, you know, remedied by those tubes. Um, so there, there is all the potential. It's much like Kingpin uh, in Hawkeye, like, you know, where, yeah, we kind of get a different uh, version of that scene. Cause like we, we assume we don't see the body on screen, but we hear the gunshots uh, and right. we still assume it's it's kind of the same thing. You don't bring Kingpin back for one episode and you kill him <laughs> off. Um, right. So I don't think that they're going to be done with Cad Bane, uh, especially if they're going to do a season two of Book of Boba Fett. Like, I wholly expect Cad to come back. Like, it was a fun showdown, but I do believe it was ultimately too quick. Uh, and just not, it was very well choreographed, but just not as flashy as I think everyone kind of wanted to see. Well, I think it's because they had literally just brought him to live action in the previous episode. If we had had a whole season with him, it might've been okay Yeah. because we would have seen him for longer. But when you like literally just brought him to live action, the previous episode, it wasn't enough. Right. Right. Again, same thing with Kingpin. Like you don't bring... Mm -hmm him back into the MCU formal after, you know, the kind of debacle, which we, we might as well go ahead and mention this too, uh, with our Patreon. Uh, we're not going to quite get to do our daredevil, yeah. uh, thing watch along because they did decide to just now go ahead and be taking them off at Netflix, but so, hopefully yeah. they'll move over to either Hulu or to Disney yeah. plus. Uh, and then we'll be able to continue. Hopefully. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it was a shock to, I think, everyone, because as far as we knew, they owned those shows outright and whatever. But I guess yeah. like, with the success of No Way Home, uh, you know, and bringing him back uh, and bringing Kingpin back, like Disney wants to go ahead and get their hands back on that on those shows. So uh, there will be a delay on those. And so we got to figure out kind of something else that we're going to have to come up with as a means uh, for our Patreon but we'll we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so over yeah again overall very much enjoyed it. Uh, Love mm -hmm. the scenes between Mando and Grogu. 
Um, I thought yes. they were very well done, uh, especially the the final kind of uh, scene in space. Because uh, as we said, that little cockpit was yeah, be that's where he's going to sit. And yeah. Then, of course, I didn't quite know right at the get go that you know why he's knocking on the glass. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, well, wait, what, is, what does he want? Like, what is he going to do? And then he's like, one more time, and then he hits that. <laughs> I just, it was fantastic. Um, yeah. But I, the other kind of minor complaint I had was I felt it was very weak mid credit scene. Like it was nice yeah. for Cobb, uh, but like I would have expected something. Like that would have been the the Cad Bane moment to show Cad getting picked up or something like that. Yeah, or... I was kind of expecting that. Like if they were gonna kind of copycat now on the Marvel formula where you get like. What, like a little bit of a longer scene in the mid credit and then a quicker yeah. at the end. Yeah. I kind of was waiting for like something at the quick very end. It literally only had to be like his body laying there and let's hear footsteps coming up. Right. Or something. And like and that's it. And maybe three seconds. Or even you know, even do uh, get Seth Green back for a quick voiceover for his robot, you know, for just the be little like, robot. Oh, oh, master or whatever, you know. Like yeah, something, something like that. Then. Just kind of something, but then you know, on Disney Plus, when it goes starts going to the foreign credits, you, you know, you've gone you, too far. It, that's the end, you know, and there, there's not going to be anything there because I was kind of waiting, and I did have to watch the mid credit thing a couple of times. I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention or what, or I just had something else in my mind to realize that it was Cobb in there, you know, because I watched it, but then I was watching other reactors and stuff, and then I was like, wait. I thought it was Cobb in there, but they're all like, it, it, is that so-and-so? Is it this? Is it that? Is it Cad? And I'm like, wait, what? And I had to go back and, you know, I was d- making myself uh, doubt myself, and I had to go back and I mean, look it at it again. It wasn't that hard to tell, at least in my no, opinion. No, I, th- I think it's probably just if you're doing reactions and maybe you're talking and you're doing something on the computer and, and you kind of only, like, glance real quick, you know, sort of a thing, but I'll, I'll, I had to I'll go back to and, you on and that check. One. Um. So yeah, uh, I guess uh, that's that's not that's pretty much all I got to say about it. Like it's got me very excited for Mando season three. Um, yeah, it, like this was Mando season three hype. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's pretty much Mando season three prequel, like you, you know, much, or prologue yeah. rather. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited for it. Now, I do want to talk about um, a couple other things surrounding it, but before we do that, um, so to give this episode kind of a score, our score out of five. Uh, I would probably land on a on a four, and then the yeah, season. Yeah, that's where I would land. The season as a whole, though, I think I'm going to land on a, like a three and a half, um, just because there were those things that did kind of detract from it. Um, things that we you know talked about in our first live stream, and in this one that I just felt like they could have improved a better, uh, a little bit better on because you know you do have John, you do have Dave. Um, and you got Robert Rodriguez in there uh, also uh, directing mm-hmm. episodes that I kind of expected more from it. And they kind of failed to deliver um, in certain aspects, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. But I don't, I don't feel like it was a failure overall. Oh, like, no, absolutely like we not. said, like there's, there's good stuff about it and there's, you can totally enjoy watching it. It just kind of really wasn't what I think we all wanted from a Boba Fett show. Right. And I, it really does kind of feel that lack of direction, like this really was filler that they just were like, hey, let's do this before we, we do season three of Mando. It was just kind of like, yeah, we'll give you this. Nobody really knows what it's going to be or what it, where it's going to go, what it's going to do. But here you go. 
you know, just kind of. See, I would have, um, I would have preferred that they would have adapted the uh, the legends the material. Yeah. Um, because that was such a good trilogy because it dealt with the bounty hunter guild. Uh, and it dealt with like flashbacks during the empire. So it would have been a great time to kind of go back to some empire stuff. And then you could have gotten a body double for Tamora and just have him VA the, uh, those scenes and then um, jump to your present day, have Dengar involved and all that stuff. Um, it, it would have, I think at least provided a better guideposting just going, okay, we got to get him out of the Sarlacc pit. And we got to get him past, um, past meeting Mando. And that was, that would be, you know, um, but yeah, again, like it was good enough that I expect more from a season two, if they go with a season two. So like, yeah, I'll give you this rough patch this time. If you can't fix it by season two, then you have real issues that uh, you need to figure out. Now, again, like cast-wise, everyone did a great job. Tomorrow oh, was yeah. fantastic. Uh, Ming-Na Wen was fantastic. Pedro was fantastic. So, like, Matt Berry as the, the server droid and stuff was fantastic. So. Whoever was doing the body for Cad Bane was great. Oh, yeah. And and definitely they did something more with the voice in episode six or episode seven because it sounded more like Cad Bane from Clone Wars than it did in episode six um, with Corey. So, you know, and, and Corey, again, still doing a great job as, as Cad Bane's voice um, now. And I do okay. I do like like their improvement. I think we talked about before, but just their improvement on the the um whatchamacallit the cgi makeup for luke oh yeah 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 you know like they did some good things with throughout the season they had some really good improvements you know like they took that criticism and they made luke look a lot better and they also were very skilled in like you know we'll film him from behind you know and mark's talking or whatever and they're doing some modulation with that so we don't have to show his face to really have to you know line up all that cgi makeup and stuff with him talking too you know which looked kind of off in um, the end of Mando. A very interesting topic that I'm trying to look to find. Yeah. I think I just found it. Well, I just, I just like that. They took, they, you know, they took it and they improved upon it, you know? So that was something they did with the season is they, they improved it. It it looked better. You know, it sounded better and they're just like constantly moving forward. Just like the Clone Wars series, you know, the animation starts out, looks a little clunky but, you know, by the time we're getting down to season seven and, like, the Siege of Mandalore, it looks fantastic. Yeah. I'd, I'd love every cartoon to be animated like that. You know, it'd be astronomically expensive, but, you know, it looks great. So I just, I, that's something that they do that I, I enjoy. I like that they're, they go for improvement and, and trying to make it look better, make the effects look better, make things look good. You know, instead of just kind of like, well, well, here's our budget and, you know, it is what it is. It, it does look like... Um... They are looking at um, at recasting um, that uh, it's because they've they've got like about 12 other Star Wars shows that they're like looking at making. And one of them would be a Luke Skywalker um, project. And and, you know, because this is the one thing that's been going on the whole time is looks like they're eyeing Sebastian Stan. So, which would be a good, like, that's, that's their best compromise, you know, mm-hmm. um, because yeah, it's, it works and getting Mark to kind of do his own voice, like works for these two 
particular episodes, like the, the right. Finale. This isn't needing him to be like on screen, giving you know, acting yeah. with the face, and you know, yeah, and, and really giving everything to the camera. It, yeah, this is. This is like, oh, this was a nice little interlude, but this couldn't hold a show. Which is interesting because, like, when I when I saw that, um, again, this is and this is the kind of getting to the part of uh, what I kind of wanted to talk about um, was the fact that uh, that they want to recast him, and people are looking at that as a sign of failure, as well as, um, again, I. This is not to pick fights with other YouTubers or anything like that, but uh, I watched another YouTube video talking about how this was a complete and utter failure. Although when, and granted, Disney could be lying to us when they released numbers, but Disney said that this was the finale of Book of Boba Fett was more watched than the finale of Mandalorian season two. Um, but that people just did not like it or people tuned out or weren't watching it. And he himself called it a garbage show with only having watched the last three episodes. So I don't feel like that's being genuine when you come to a criticism about a project. There's one thing to be like, I watched the first episode and I didn't like it. So to me, it's not a good show, but other people might enjoy it versus sitting through like we did week to week, watch the episodes and if you again go back to our first live stream we had criticisms about what they did but again we kind of come about middle of the road where it's like okay the there was probably a lack of direction they get a sh- like free pass this time for season one with the expectation they'll do better with season two because i'll even say mando season two is better than season one and I mean, there were pacing issues with Mando season one, but once they kind of figured out the story they wanted to take us on, everything seemed to solidify. You get the better episodes, you get the Bill Burr episode, uh, dealing with a former officer, um, that, you know, got his, uh, squad like murdered or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you get those real powerful moments, you get Boba Fett showing up, you get Luke showing up. Uh, so I, I just, that's that's part of this again this problem and the reason why we started this podcast was you know because there's there's something that's missing in criticism of 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 projects uh when you um aren't really kind of giving it the fair shot like when i talk about texas chainsaw i'm not going to be overly positive about it but i sat through the whole hour and 24 minutes of the movie so i can I feel like I can actually talk on the subject versus, oh, I watched three episodes of a, of a seven episode season and deemed because it didn't fit what I expected it to be. It was a failure and it's a repeat of the, you know, the sequel trilogy when it absolutely isn't. Um, so, you know, again, it's not to pick fights with anybody, but I, I expect more. Like, I get it. Film criticism in general has kind of gone down the drain with people being paid uh, for access, Disney shills. I'm sure we'll at some point get that label at some at some point because we've been fairly positive, except when it comes to Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, <laughs> which is going to be the horse we're going to beat with a, a a dead horse we're going to beat with a stick continuously. Uh, but you know, I, that's the thing though. If you're going to be counterculture to mainstream critics and how they approach their film criticism and try to give, uh, you know, uh, a Johnny on the street 
type view of a project, you got to be investing yourself into it and being honest about it. Not, again, trying to get the clicks, trying to get the views, trying to get the clout, because uh, everything we do is like counterculture to what would get us more clicks and more views on on YouTube. So um, obviously this probably won't be the last time I hit on that subject, but it it does really bother me when they use broad terms of saying fans are unhappy with Book of Boba Fett. Well, one, I know no publication has reached out to me to ask me my thoughts on Book of Boba Fett. Uh, And even if they're saying they're not happy, what does that mean? Does that yeah. mean they weren't happy overall or were they not happy about X, Y, or Z, which were minor things to them, but they still, you know, overall enjoyed the episodes or the season? Like, you're, it's just so abstract that you can't expect someone to really take it for its word. That's just kind of my thoughts on it. <laughs> I don't I know think if you we've... have anything to add. No, I was going to say, I think we pretty much covered it for one episode. There's not really much else to say about it. And if you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. Form your form your own opinions on it, especially if you got Disney+. Plus. You're not wasting your time. You're not wasting right. your effort. Um, and, and, and it's a quick burn through. I mean, with most of the episodes being only a little over 30 minutes, you'll burn through the seven episodes very quickly. Pretty fast. So. I don't um, know what the next um, Star Wars thing we're going to get on Disney+, Plus though, is. Should be Obi-Wan. Should, yeah, like should be, like should be, <laughs> mm-hmm. because they've they've officially announced it's in May, uh, near the end of May, I want to say. Uh, so that seems to be, I would assume, that's coming before anything else comes, because uh, Ahsoka it sounds like they're still casting and shooting, um, and then as for like Rangers of the New Republic or whatever, I don't even know if that's uh, gotten off. The Andor. Uh, there's the Andor, which sounds like they're doing multiple seasons of Andor now. Uh, which, uh, okay, but like, that's the pro- it, it's going to have the Black Widow problem. Where well, yeah, because we know what happens. We know we know how that story ends. So, as much as I'm excited to see kind of a precursor to his kind of mentality and who he was prior to rogue one yeah i don't necessarily need like seven seasons of cassian andor uh (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know that they should do that many seasons but i do think they could kind of do kind of the star wars rebels thing which i feel like they did better in season four which was putting people in danger that the characters the characters that you've now grown to love are now in danger and literally any of them could die because we don't know. So, of course, it won't be able to be Cassian because we know right. what happens to him. But if they can build up a cast of characters around him that they, you know, get us to go ahead and, like, fall in love with these characters, anything can happen to those characters. So we can still have some investment in I don't know what's going to happen, you know, to so-and-so, you know, or this person or that person. And we can say, well, we didn't see them in Rogue One or Episode Four or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not off camera somewhere you know so it's all sort of as long as we're invested in someone because i don't i mean it'll still be interesting to see cassian but like you said it's kind of like i already know what's going to happen to him so i'm not so invested 
And you know, you've got a very good point about that. I was I was thinking about that over as you were talking about it. It's like, yeah, they can kind of introduce a whole kind of pre Rogue One crew that he's with mm-hmm. that we can kind of grow to love, and then he loses each one as they go along, which kind of explains a little bit of his coldness at the beginning of Rogue One. But yeah. then as their team forms in Rogue One, how he softens a little bit, you know. So it's yeah. it's definitely stuff that they can Again, with any project, you have to approach it correctly. Um, it's so before we before we get into Reacher, um, let's go ahead and talk about this. I know I didn't put this on the docket, but might as well. Go it's ahead not on the it. docket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness. Oh, the trailer. Oh yeah. Um, because t- t- kind of talking about having to can do we it have right. that movie now now <laughs> now see now this this is what i was gonna say um because like well, as we as we're talking about with an andor show uh they have well, they'll have to do it right if they're going to do it uh kind of that way and introduce these characters and set it prior to rogue one multiverse of madness is going to be walking that thin line of it's either going to be really great or it's going to be really terrible. Um, Especially since it seems to be all but confirmed. I mean, it's on IMDb now. Patrick Stewart is the voice and is in there uh, now. Well, how did they think they're going to disguise his voice? Well, I can tell you the first time I watched the trailer, I didn't catch it. Like I knew it was someone I was supposed to know, or it was going to be a huge like OMG moment. Um, I mean, have I saturated it enough the next generation to not recognize his voice. I, I yeah, it was definitely like once I once like I heard people kind of going, "Oh my gosh, that's who it was." I'm like, "All right, I need to go back and listen to that again." But, yeah. you know, we're getting we're getting three at least three different stranges uh, the rumors about Superior Iron Man, uh possibly uh The one Oh. Go ahead. Well, the rumor that I heard that I mean, it's it's probably not true. But I would also kind of love it to be true, just be, for the hilarity factor. Is not that we're getting Robert Downey Jr., but that we're going to get Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Yes. That's, that's yeah. So that's that's kind of the thing. Is like he will be the this because he was originally. If people don't know about this, he was originally slated to kind of be Tony Stark in the '90s when they were going to try to make an Iron Man or Avengers movie back then. Yeah. And uh, of course, that never happened. Much like the what would have been a god awful Nick Cage as Superman. Um, <laughs> and I like Nick Cage. So, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to throw shade. I think Nick Cage is in a renaissance of his career right now, which astounds me. But, um, yeah, there you know, there's all the rumors that like is going to be in it, uh, that you're going to have, you know, James Marsden or some other of the Fox uh, uh, Marvel characters in there. Like even like Wesley Snipes is Blade going to be in there or some such. So, like, it's that it's going to run. I heard this. Oh, go ahead. Uh, um, when they when they paused on the scene, um, you know when he's walking in and you see the the chairs. Yeah. Um, the one that's like if you're watching the TV, so I guess the one on the left here, ha- you know everybody's theorizing it did have kind of like kind of looked like T'Challa's thing vibes to it. That mm-hmm. maybe they're gonna have a different Black Panther and test the idea of a recast, even though they've definitively said they're not gonna do that. Which I'm kind of like, I think if you do that now, after you've already like said that you're not going to, it's going to upset people more than if you had just done a recast. Right. But then I, I heard something else about who it might be, but 
then they thought the person that's over here on the right might be Namor or something. Well, I don't know. I, I know um, when Scott Der- uh, Derrickson was originally attached to direct on it, he that's he was going to be not necessarily, I don't know if this was the movie he was going to do, but he was going to introduce Namor. Um, so, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Now, slight rumor I've heard about with the, what they're going to do with Black Panther 2 is, uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but Mbaku or whatever. Um, Mbaku. Yeah, he will end up taking over the Panther mantle while Shuri, like, becomes the ruler of Wakanda. Um, so, like, she'll be the ruler and he'll be the protector. So, which... That's works. fine. Like it, yeah. it within the mechanics cuz like his character within the comics was more of a villain, but like within the mechanics of the first Black Panther and even going into Infinity War and Endgame, it works because he earned mm-hmm. his respect and everything like that that I could see him taking that path uh, to honor T'Challa. And I think that that's one where people would be more willing to accept like Winston Duke taking over the mantle versus some random actor. We don't know right. coming in well, as a recast. One random thing that I was thinking about just because like I said, just random because yeah. we see all these things in the trailer. That's like, that's from straight from what if, yeah. What about having like an actually good killmonger black Panther? Well, and see, this is where kind of, again, um, People, because people took like, oh, well, the TV subtitles said Sinister Strange, so it can't be Supreme Strange, because Supreme Strange is watching Killmonger and all that stuff. Well, what if it is Supreme Strange and Killmonger's there, part of the Illuminati and everything? And Because it, it sounds like kind of the rumor mill being... Uh, that the Illuminati is actually the evil guys, like the bad guys in this situation, because they've got their machinations and the the uh, kind of breakdown of the multiverse um, because of of you know Stephen Kang. Uh, well, not Kang, but but pretty much like because of the whole spell from No Way Home and all that stuff and whatever. I assume will uh, kind of start off. Uh, multiverse of madness yeah because i kind of figured that this is the movie that we're gonna get confirmation from whatever wanda did and then from whatever loki did you know with kang yeah that this is now how they're they're coming together you know bringing the movie series to the to the movie i also heard that kang might be one of the people sitting up there you know that we're gonna have him Chilling, right. like and a, well, a good version of himself. If you if you look at the uh, the poster, one of the shards shows Captain Carter's shield. Um, yes. So like, so then I heard that person on the right hand side might be her with her yeah, sword. Yeah. There, there's like so much that there's so much speculation, the, which is why the we rumor want it right mill now. has exploded. <laughs> right? And so that's that's where it walks that fine line of it's either going to do way too much and it's going to buckle excuse me, buckle under the weight of it trying to carry so many different storylines. Like I think people will do fine with the multiple iterations of different characters. Um, but it's going to be a little iffy on, can you fit this also depending on how long the movie is? Cause at this point I'm expecting about like a four hour movie. (laughs) Uh, cause I don't know how you fit all of these things in. And if you look at what Matt Reeves is doing with the Batman and that's going to be almost three hours, it's like, all right. Well, and you know, Sam Raimi has had some difficulty juggling multiple characters in the past, but 
I, again, I don't think it was necessarily at the fault of Sam on that one. That was more on Sony going, hey, you have to put this character into this movie that you had planned for other things. So right. um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I would love to see Toby come back again uh, for another appearance in this, if that's going to happen. Uh, and I love the fact that we're, we're not necessarily getting um, the mainline X-Men version of uh, Professor X, but... Because the concept art is his chair from like the 90s comics and the 90s yeah. cartoon show, uh, which is rumored to be in the movie. So I'm I'm really excited to see what iteration of Charles this is, um, what this will mean about getting some of the other X-Men characters over into the MCU. It, it, it's just got it's got so much potential. I just don't want it to go wrong. And I don't right. I don't think it will. But man, you're juggling a lot of things there. And the hype is so high right now. Oh, it's It's, so high. It's try to not hype it so much to like not be disappointed if it totally fails. Right. But it's really hard. (laughs) Well, and like this is more hype than even No Way Home had. Oh, yeah. I've heard so many movie theories about how this is going to turn out. You know, like it's not going to be our strange. It's going to be this other strange. And then we're going to end up with our strange. You know, or, or like it's not our mainline universe; it's this other universe, and the universe we've been watching isn't the prime universe. And like, I mean, all the stuff that's going—it's—it's it's just crazy. And I'm just gonna like, I want all of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to pull something up again here. Uh, once, uh, keep, keep talking a little bit more while I'm looking this up. Okay, so one of the scenes that I'm I'm interested in seeing is you know Wanda and Wanda. So there's like Wanda with all this blood and stuff on her head. And then Wanda in her Scarlet Witch outfit. I'm kind of interested oh, to yeah, know. Because they are saying that that's two different Wandas. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to know which Wanda is our Wanda and which one is a different universe Wanda. Because, you know, I think because we just saw her get this the outfit, we mm. might automatically assume that that's our Wanda. But it might be the other one. You know, just... To a major okay, major so I, I, I found it here. But this is this is what talking about like no way home is all about. Jesus Christ! Charlie. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day. Okay, Pepe Sylvia. This name keeps coming I'm up. I'm not seeing or hearing anything. Every day, Pepe's mail uh, getting sent back see. to me. Pepe Sylvia. Pepe Sylvia. I look in the mail. Well, this whole box is Pepe well, I know it's Sylvia. it's definitely so it should myself, be. I gotta find this guy. I gotta go oh, up to his office. I gotta put his mail in the guy's goddamn. Oh, there we go. Get it? It's gonna keep coming back down here. So you played it for them to hear too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they can hear it. They're not seeing it, but anyone familiar with always. I actually just got to this episode the other day, but this this is like what talking about Doctor Strange is all about. Right. So that's 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 basically everyone speculating about what's <laughs> going to happen in Doctor Strange. <laughs> it just right. really is. Um, but yeah, you know, it's I'm very excited for it. I just uh, and this is like coming from I wasn't a huge fan of the first Doctor Strange movie, um, mainly because like I just it it relied on too many visual effects that were done from other mil- movies primarily Inception, that, like, it really hurt for me, and it it seemed to try to cram 
his origin story in really quick that I just didn't feel like I had time to really get to know, even though I know who he is, like get to know him as a character and all that yeah. stuff. But each subsequent appearance he has had has been fantastic. And I think that this movie will be like. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it, it, it'll definitely fantastic. be up, up there um, for what they do. So I also feel like, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is a great actor oh, absolutely. to be pulling off all of these different versions of Doctor Strange. Like, fantastic you know it's like i have absolute confidence in his ability you know to pull this off so it's like as far as like the cast goes and everything like cast check like visuals looks amazing so far like check what are we gonna get with the story we don't know but there's all you know it's like it's checking boxes so i'm definitely excited for it so yeah we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there um all right so let's uh let's move on to our other topic of conversation Reacher on Prime. Now, I can tell you, I've watched all eight episodes. Leslie has watched all eight episodes. We will, I think we can keep it pretty spoiler free because we can just talk about the season in general rather than the individual episodes. Um, But boy, was this a show that kind (laughs) of caught me off guard. Like, I, I didn't even know it was coming out until about a couple weeks before it actually released. And, uh, and I didn't realize like, you know, Alan Richson was going to be in it, uh, who I, I've liked in other stuff I've seen him in, Smallville, uh, Titans, all that stuff. Uh, but Hunger I, Games. The Hunger Games. But he made I, a cameo in there. It, it was one thing that I just wasn't, I, I just didn't have any kind of idea or inclination that this was going to be a well-done s- series. Not that Amazon doesn't do good shows. Uh, and I love Jack Ryan. Um you know, the, the adventures of, uh, Jimmy Halpert. Um, right. but like, I, I just, I had no idea. And I've seen, uh, both of the Tom Cruise movies and I hadn't actually read the books and the Tom Cruise movies were fine. But, uh, from what I understand, like he, Tom Cruise is like the antithesis of how the character is described in the books. And Alan <laughs> Richson is like a direct representation of how he is in the books. Um, so I, I, I put on the first episode expect, I'm like, Oh great. It's another 50 minute episode of a show. This means all the other episodes are going to be super long. And I'm not sure if I'll be able to get this all done in a quick time period. And I got through that first episode. I was like, Holy crap. This is good. <laughs> and, and I finished it within a week, the week because like I would just watched each, a new episode each night. Um, totally blew me away. Again, this is a cast that just helps sell the the show. Um, I even told my mom, who is a fan of the books, I was like, now when I saw the Tom Cruise movies, I didn't really have any desire to necessarily go out and read the books. After watching the first episode of this, I'm like, I kind of want to read the books. Read now. the books, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, Cause um, I, w- go ahead. When I first clicked it on, I didn't like stick around for the beginning piece or whatever, you know, for the first episode. I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm going to get my food. Oh, and so then you missed this... the whole beating and, and like murder, essentially. Well, no, I mean, I heard it. I just wasn't watching it. It's not like, you right. know, well, it my wasn't place anything is that needed. big. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't see the um, piece where it says based on the book, blah, okay. blah, 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 blah. So I saw that the second time and I'm like, there's a book? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> I need to read this. Right. And, um... And it, and it it just starts off strong because you get that quick like murder. You don't know who's getting murdered. You don't know who they're getting murdered by. You don't know the reason. And then you have 
uh, Reacher go into the diner, order his pie, and then cop cars just swarm Get the arrested. diner. <laughs> like, and, and they just do it so well. And I think um, this might be a mild spoiler, but not really a, a big, big, big spoiler story-wise. But I love how they have to bring him in on zip ties because yeah. the cuffs won't fit. And he sits there and he does everything. And uh, finally, like when they're going to let him out of the jail cell, they're like, all right, go ahead and get those zip ties off him. And he just snaps them. Yeah. And it's like he could have done that the whole time. The whole time. And, yeah. and showing that restraint was was something that was so impressive. And uh, just in it. And it was comedy. Like it was it was a comedic scene without having to rely too heavy on comedy. And I, I liked his delivery throughout the entire show. Like. He's this guy who's not supposed to get or doesn't want to get attached to things. And then he's getting attached to things. It's a thing. Yeah. And and I liked how each character had kind of their own arc that was mm-hmm. resolved throughout not just one episode, but throughout the season. Um, primarily the lead detective. Uh, I Forgive me. I know the actor's name. I think it's uh, Malcolm Goodwill or Goodwin. Um, he is fantastic. Uh, as Detective that, Finley. Uh, Detective Finley, fin- that's it. Finley? Yeah, is there a D then, in there? Uh, fin- no, it was Finley. Uh, no D. And then Roscoe is uh, played by Willa um, uh, Fitzgerald, I want to say is her last name, but I might have that wrong. Um, and she was the uh, main character in the Scream show. And so I, I, I really liked seeing her in there as Roscoe. Um, but they all have their own baggage that they mm-hmm. carry through and each has their own resolution to their stories. And yeah. I love, I love Finley as like the straight laced detective that is, it, it, it had that buddy cop feel, you know, mm-hmm. like from the, from the nineties and eighties. And that's ultimately, that's what made this show so enjoyable was it, it wasn't trying to preach. You weren't trying to learn some life lesson. <laughs> it was just like, Hey, we've got an action story. That's yeah. very compelling, and we're going to tell it through. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't actually touch on some social issues, because when you have Finley go breaking into the house for evidence, you have the cops assume he's a burglar. He's the burglar. Yeah, beat him to crap. And then I love her Roscoe's line is like, "How many burglars are wearing suits?" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, yeah. we, we didn't have time to look." And it's like. You did, but you're in the yeah. South, and he's a Northern African American man. So, like, it, it 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 addressed that kind of race issue, and I thought he was the bigger person. With, uh, it's just not worth it. Like, let's let's just get out of here. It's it's okay. I'm okay. Let's be the bigger guy versus just going straight to emotion and reaction like Roscoe did. Like, that's what I also love his little line, too, is like, uh, foul language is the sign of a uneducated <laughs> mind. Mind, yeah. yeah. And and then, like, later on when he uses curse words, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this, this just caught me so off guard. Everyone was fantastic. The pacing was fantastic. Uh, I didn't think that there was one weak episode the entire season. Um, there were some obvious twists that uh, I think anyone probably could have seen coming outside of um, who the actual mastermind was, because I, I I didn't quite pick up on that, but it was a good enough reveal. But other stuff of like, oh, this was the bad, this was the actual dirty cop was like, well, of <laughs> course that's the dirty cop uh, type of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like one of those shows that 
it just wanted to tell a, f- a fun action and and it's it's a little violent it's a little gruesome but like yeah. i i didn't feel like it had like maybe one or two really gruesome moments i'm thinking yeah, more of the conveyor or the the presser in the final well, episode yeah there are a couple of gruesome moments that i you know i'm just kind of thinking like if you know that your teenager can handle it yeah yeah <laughs> they're not they're not as gruesome as other things i've seen you know, and they're not um, long. Right. You know, they're on screen and they're off screen. They they don't linger there with the gore. Yeah. So. Like even even that press scene, it's like. Yeah, it's quick. It's like two two seconds, and then it's it's done. You know. Yeah. Um, so um, go ahead. Well, I was like two things. One thing is I like whoever did the fight choreography for yes. Reacher. His fight yes. style, I really enjoyed all his fight choreography because it all felt very. Quick, efficient, and realistic. It didn't feel showy for TV. Like a lot of times, like I'm, you can think of like the Arrow. Mm-hmm. They've got they do moves and crap on there. That's like yeah, that's flippy flip and that's showy or whatever. But like I would have already shot you by now. You know, or the other guys like standing there waiting for you to finish your flip so that they can then be like oh you know and, right. and fall back or whatever. And it's very obvious. This was like quick, fast efficient and still looked cool well and um to kind of give example of that is i think it's episode five or six um where he is hunting them in the house like he sets up the bait and how he takes out pretty much almost everyone Mm -hmm. but then when it comes to that final fight with uh with the cousin uh it's like even though he out matches the guy in muscle brawn everything like that like he, he's able to get those lucky shots in. He's got the crowbar and you know, he does the work that he needs to do. And even when he gets that lucky shot in, you feel like it's, it's just because of that luck. He just happens to land right where that crowbar is to be able to grab it up and knock him in the head with it. And it all feels real. Like you, when you hear yeah. that hit him in the, in the jaw, like you feel that, that's a real hit. And uh, yeah. it, it was just what it's very well done choreography. That fight with the cousin is my second thing because I personally felt like it took too long. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it did drag on a little bit. Yeah. That one drag drug on longer than I felt like it should have given how everything resolves in the final episode, you know, and the yeah. reveals of who done what this guy, I'm like, He's not a player, so why did we spend, like, five minutes, you know, in a fight with him? Like, it should have been just as quick as everybody else, honestly. But again, I think it's 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 that because it to kind of give you that sense of realism, it is because he just happens to get lucky in those fights. Like, he's got that crowbar. It, It honestly, for as long as it went on started to feel to me like let's fill out this episode with a few extra minutes of action. Yeah. Yeah. Then anything well story wise with that particular character. I was kind of like, why are we still fighting this guy? Like check the watch. Like <laughs> and there <laughs> he's were, not done with him yet. There were also just some very good, like actual like twists, like not even like big, like, Oh my God, that's who it is. Like, uh, and, and primarily where you're, you're, you know, you just assume that a character is dead. And then you find out, no, they were actually smart. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. cause you don't normally get that. You do get the situation of like, Oh, dumb character is dumb because they're dumb. dumb and, thing, you know, yeah. So like, but then when, when you get that kind of, 
and I, I love that moment too where um mild spoiler but like when reacher's being coerced to help track down this character and they're sitting at the diner and of course he's also planning four steps ahead of how to get out of the situation but he looks at the map and just makes those big circles all next to each other and of course you know the other guy talking to him is like no you don't have this figured out and then he walks through the logic and it's like well crap like (laughs) it's just very well done now i will say i think there is some weak moments in the show, uh, but they're very minor and they didn't bother me. But I did feel like the kid flashbacks of him being uh, a young boy didn't. They were kind so, of pointless. Yeah, like they were. So, they were trying to take the page out of the Arrow, you know, Arrow show where they it was kind of supposed to be referential to kind of what's going on in the situation now, mm-hmm. but they really weren't. And I think it was more to highlight yeah. his relationship with his brother. Yeah, I feel like a few of them felt like they did do that, but then the rest of them kind of felt like womp womp, you know, kind of like, eh. Yeah, the the final flashback I thought was the best flashback um, with with their mother uh, near the end. And, like, that one was was the best, in my opinion, but the rest were just like, eh. Yeah. Like, you know, okay. I feel like the first initial two or so were, were good. Like, yeah, especially yeah. like sh- establishing them as kids and like how they were and stuff were good. Right. The ones in the middle are the ones that are kind of like, eh, yeah. you don't really need it. Right. Um, but it, it, it was kind of like the, I think the point they served was, you know, the mother giving them their, you know, Joe, you can't change the things you want to change. And yeah. Rachel, you've got the strength of three men. What are you going to do with it? Like type of yeah. thing. Okay, so mild spoiler mm-hmm. for what he does with that item at the end. Oh, yeah. That pissed me off so much. <laughs> Just leaving it there? <laughs> yes! And he didn't even bury it that deep. Like, yeah. if you want it to be buried deep and, like, not have somebody dig it up, you gotta, like, actually dig a freaking hole, not just kind of <laughs> scrape back a little bit of the grass. Oh. Like. Come on, anybody with a metal detector is going to come along. A bird's going to see something shiny and pick it up. He is a like, he is a bit of a lummox. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> like if you if you want it there, dig an actual hole and put it in. But right. you know, I'm like it's a family heirloom. <laughs> Somebody's going to pick it up and you know. Well, they do. He'll he won't know about it, or if right? he does find out about it, he'll track them down and he'll get it. Uh, but I'm. It also was because uh, like I think. Um, I was still watching it, but the week it came out, um, like me- meaning the weekend and into the week, it got renewed right away. Like oh. everyone in their mother was like watching the show and just burning through talking it. about it. And I've heard nothing but positive things about it. Um, A lot of the supporting cast too, you might recognize from other shows. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, there's that too. If it's you're like, like oh, like Hey, a, that's so-and-so a little bit of a Smallville reunion in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's just, um, it's just really well done. Like it just doesn't, this is the kind of escapism that people want where Mm -hmm. they just want to watch an interesting story and they want to watch an interesting show. And this is, this does it. Like I, I even, uh, you had watched, uh, I think when I checked in with you, you were on episode four, uh, on Thursday and I was like, 
oh, you'll have this done by Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, there's there's no way. Once you get to that kind of halfway mark, you're like, I got to watch the next episode. You know, I need to know what yeah. happens next. And that's that's what's missing right now. That Not something like the kind of what I have fears with the Lord of the Rings show that Amazon's doing. Um with what they're doing with the CW shows, what they've done with a, a bunch of other entertainment where it's just like, just tell me a fun, good story. And, and this isn't to say like they can't introduce these types of concepts into stories, but they have to, again, going back to that point, you have to do it right and you have to do it well. Where you, this addresses a young female cop trying to mark her name in her local police force without being overlooked or laughed at. You do have an uncomfortable African-American detective coming from the North to the South and dealing with prejudices down there. But it never felt like it was hammering any type of message to me because when Mm -hmm. you sit there and you watch him get jumped by those cops, you're like, this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. You don't need social justice Karen to step out from the side and be, and tell you because you're an audience member and you're too dumb to figure it out yourself. And, and and technically, they do have that. And then his reaction is, it's not worth it. You know, yeah. it's because it, that's not going to change their perception. Mm-hmm. So they're ingrained in their mentalities. And the only thing you can do is just not not acknowledge it. You just move on. You be the bigger person. And, and that's what I thought was just really... What was really good about the show in of itself was just that it, it handled those those kind of subjects very well, but it didn't try to preach anything to you. It, it just set the situation up where any rational, rational, reasonable person would go, "Yeah, that's not right. Like, yeah, that, like that should never happen." Mm-hmm. Um, so, very much have to recommend it. Uh, to give a kind of a score on it, I'm I think a four and a half. Like there was very minimal, like I, I, one of the other things that just came to my mind that I loved about it was their differing perspectives of music. Like he's the, the white blonde blue hair guy or blue, blue eye guy, not blue hair, um, listening to blues Blues. and Finley is, you know, the African American guy listening to modern or uh, classic like rock. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like journey and stuff like that yeah. like and and, and they that, trash on each other for their choice right? of music well that's because like even when they have their first interaction he's like why are you here and he's like oh i've come to see this famous blues singer he's like you're a white guy like <laughs> you don't know anything about this guy and he's like yeah actually i do <laughs> and so it was just it just it was great it was fun the, co- the comedy was natural and organic. Uh, so like when, you, you know, even if it's deadpan comedy, it's just fun to laugh at and, and enjoy. So uh, four and a half from me on that. Definitely recommend it. I don't see anybody not liking this show unless they want to, you know, scream for no reasons without actually watching the show. Well, or unless that's not your type of show to begin with, Very then true. why are you watching it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't like those kind of heavy action, because um, like again, this is yeah, the, there's some there's some full frontal nude nudity. If that, you don't like that, that surprised they me. They curse. <laughs> um, trying to think, what else? If if you don't like the nudity, you don't like the violence, you don't like some scenes of gore. Yeah, 
then that's not the show for you. Don't watch it. No. And, uh, but I, again, if you're a fan of like eighties, cause this is the thing I keep seeing it compared to the most eighties or nineties action films. If you mm-hmm. like those, you'll love kind those. of buddy cop. Yeah. Oh, definitely buddy cop. Like that, that was the thing that I think really, I just enjoyed the most was their relationship. And it kind of makes me sad depending on how a season two would go and how the book series goes to like know that they won't necessarily partner up again per se. Yeah. Um, oh, but we've forgotten a whole about a whole another character that again, I don't know since I don't know the books, like I don't know if this was a male character in the books or if it was a gender swap, but Negley or Negley, what, however you pronounce her name. Yeah. I, I um, was never PI, sure. I, she was a fantastic character. She was good. Yeah. I, I, her scene in the strip club was like, damn (laughs) you know like she really took that guy to town and yeah and and rightfully beat the crap out of him um so even if that was a a gender swap it it works and they handled it really well and again not trying to lecture not trying to preach to anybody just it's just trying to tell a fun enjoyable story for people to ultimately enjoy so uh what what uh what score do you give it um, I'd probably just go ahead with a even four. Okay. Okay. Just, it's respectable. just for, you know, just like it, I wasn't like blown away by it or anything. It was just <laughs> a decent, good, like mystery kind of murder mystery actiony, you know, in that, in that genre of like, I can have this on in the background while I'm doing other stuff. Like once I've seen it once. Right. Right. Sort of a thing you know, turn on forensic files or snapped or all these other like <laughs> murder documentary things that go in the background. Well, and I, and I can absolutely say if you're based off of a book, cause I typically, when I find something's based off of a book, I try to read the book first. Um, if I'm interested Just to, to in be it. able to give it a decent comparison. Right. Um, and although I knew these were based on like the Tom Cruise movies were based on books. Like I wasn't really that invested in being like, I need to, I need to read those books. Yeah. But boy, this show is like, all right, Amazon, you're going to get some more of my money because I'm probably going to be ordering those books because I, I'm i in for it now. And mm-hmm. knowing that they, they seem to kind of quite get it right this time versus with the Tom Cruise film. So, you know, maybe maybe that's just what they got to do because they're doing well with Jack Ryan. They're doing well with this. Look at adapting more of these uh, materials in this in this light versus telling a story of Lord of the Rings that no one necessarily wants or needs. I'm going to be open to it until I see it fail. Oh, I'm going to watch it. Um, but I'm not very optimistic about it. I know my brother just... asked me, he's like, Oh, it looks so good. I'm like, aesthetically, it looks good. But story wise, acting. Yeah. Wise, I, it, I we'll see. Know. We'll see. I would recommend, um, to to better articulate kind of I, at least my thoughts on it uh, better because I know I won't be able to do this well and I don't know if, uh, if Leslie's watched the video or not but go check out the Critical Drinkers uh, video kind of discussing that because he he rides the fence on it sometimes I really agree with him sometimes I think he's being um, a little too harsh on some things or a little too political. But like not on the levels of some of the other YouTubers we're aware of who go really hard. But I think he does a really good job analyzing why people are concerned about it and why they fear what might happen. What will happen? Um, 
versus it just being, oh, it's a diverse cast and all this and this, so therefore it's going to be bad. Uh, it's it's that's not that's not necessarily what we're concerned about. It's yeah, I'm always just apprehensive when they take something that's so classic like that. And you're kind of basing it off the Cimmerillion, but right. you're kind of not. And it's kind of wants to be its own thing so they can still make money off of it. I don't know. I'm not sure. And then I'm kind of like, if you wanted your own fantasy series, you're already doing Wheel of Time. So right. why do you need this too? I don't know. I feel, and, and of course, this was like they had to start doing something. I think it was last year or the year before was where they had to actually start doing something or they were going to lose all the rights to it in the right. first place. Right, because they, so, they had a game in the works and then they canceled it. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, yep, you got to use them up or otherwise. Yeah, you're going to lose it. So. And sometimes it's just better to just lose it rather than try to rush in it. Cause, yeah, because it, it's, it's I'll watch <laughs> it and I'll see how what happens. Right. I, because it might be okay. I might be able to be like, eh, it's not, you know, the movies, but it's considered over here. You know, we'll see. If if it's not egregious enough in the first episode, and even if it ends up being just terrible, as long as it's not overly egregious, I will make it through the first season. Yeah. Um, but, like, I've even heard, I haven't watched it yet, and I haven't read the books, but I do plan on reading at least the first book of Wheel of Time, I've heard that they've kind of messed with Wheel of Time a little bit, and fans of the books aren't happy with that. So that kind of gets I'd me apprehensive about it. Tried to read the first book of Wheel of Time, but that was all in the same time when I was like doing Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. and a bunch of other books, and we're all passing around the Star Wars books, and it's kind of like I never got like thoroughly into that because there was just too much too much else going on <laughs> for right. me at that time, you know. So. Yeah, I so never it, got into those. I did try to. I, I got maybe halfway through the first book, but I think there's a lot of those oh, books. Oh, there's, there's a lot. There's, I don't know that I would be able to get into them now. So, like, I could watch the series, but I don't know, you know, anything about that. Right. It's that. it's like one of those things too, where um, people are trying to because Tolkien's not around anymore, um, unfortunately. Just to the state, yeah. Uh, but like, you know, they're trying to justify the choices that they're making in the show on how Tolkien personally thought about his concepts of like dwarves and elves and all this stuff. And it's like, you don't know that you're saying he based like his dwarves off of Norse mythology and that Norse mythology had dwarves that were of dark skin you're it's it's uh it's like hearsay you know hearsay you can't use it in court because it's it's like playing uh, uh the game of telephone you just mm -hmm. have one message at the very beginning and when you get down 10 people it's completely different message and you can't say that today that that tolkien that's what tolkien thought when he was writing it at the time and that's not saying that it's wrong to insert that into your show but again make your own fantasy world like i i would watch it you know, if you want to come up with a, I'm a huge fantasy nerd and I love fictional worlds and I love fantasy worlds. And that's all you got to do. Create an interesting concept and you've got me in. Like I may not end up liking it if you're not telling a good story, but if you got what seems to be like an interesting world and an interesting lore and I want to dive into it, th there you go. 
you know, I, I will, I will, I will go there and I will watch your show or I will read your book. I've read the first Shadow Shadow and Bones book. Wasn't huge fan, but Netflix got me to spend money on the on the trilogy because they had released an interesting trailer for the first season, which I still haven't actually watched the first season. Watch it. But I read the book and I'm like, book's kind of garbage. Um, and if you're so a fan of the, the book, don't, don't. I'm sorry. You know, enjoy it. I just thought it was too convoluted, and she didn't do a good job setting up her world. Uh, just with the Lord of the Rings diversity stuff, like I don't care so much about that. Yeah. As as I do that, you're telling the story and doing it right. You know, the only part where I feel like introducing diversity into something doesn't make sense to me is when you're going for historical accuracy. So like that new was it Anne Boleyn or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and I'm that's like okay, it's a show, but also if somebody watches that for historical accuracy, I, I don't know. I mean, like you shouldn't be watching a fictional show for historical accuracy, right? Like I don't know, maybe just put it in the same category as what was that other one, Bridgerton or whatever, because yeah. that to me is like it's obviously not historically accurate. But um, if you're if you're doing something and you're like this is going to be as historically accurate as possible, then um, that doesn't make sense to me to insist upon. That kind of that kind of was a little bit with my problem. Even though I was um, I was really enjoying the sh- I ended up kind of enjoying the show. Of course, they canceled it. Um, I, oh God, I can't remember exactly what the name of it was, but it was the a Sherlock Holmes kind of spinoff, but uh, uh, involving kind of the kids that uh, he would usually use to gather information on the streets. Um, and they, you know, introduce Watson in, into the show, and it's an African uh, African actor or black actor, whatever proper terminology, person of color. Um, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I get it. It's supernatural. It's a fictional world. It's Sherlock Holmes. But, like, historically, that's just not accurate. And that's not what Conan Doyle based Watson off of you know it's like it's walking that fine line where okay since this is a supernatural version and an alternate England uh, you know I can I can because the actor was fine I like the actor he's the actor who plays um Isobard uh, in uh I think that's his name uh in The Witcher and and see in a show like uh The Witcher I think it's more okay when you're kind of changing and, and diversifying more of the characters, because even though the books are kind of pull, uh, you know, based off of like Poland and all that stuff and the author's Polish, uh, it's the world is fictional enough in it that like, it, it didn't bother me when you have those types of, of characters. Well, that's, that's why I don't really care in Lord of the Rings if they diversify the characters. Cause it's, it's fantasy. Well, and that's where the Critical Drinkers video kind of, I think, tackles why it, not, not why diversity would isn't like a breath of fresh air or anything into it, but why it kind of goes counter to what Tolkien portray or has the world portray and why the movies were portrayed. Because it's, it's technically based on, uh, like, it's, it, he took the idea and he took the concepts of medieval Britain. And right. so when you look at the, you know, the uh, population and the culture and all that stuff of that time and those periods, it, it wasn't really there. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be 
bad or anything based solely on that. I, I think where it's going to have its real faults is the story, the story and making characters that were not um, fighters, fighters, um, and how it's going to adapt the Silmarillion because there are hundreds of different stories in the Silmarillion that they could have just gone for inspiration. With Bar- just one. Just just do Baron and Luthien. That's all you yeah. got to do, you know, and, and their fight. Well, like, they could totally, they romance. could call it, they could call it like Rings of Power or whatever, but it could be like season one is Baron and Luthien. Yeah. Season two is, you know, this story. Season three is this story. Season five is now Sauron's introduced, you know, like. Right. Because like that was my problem with the, um, Shadow of Mordor game was, uh, or was it that Shadow of War? Shadow of War, I think, was the second one. Whichever was the second, well, even in technically in the first game too, but like they in the second game craft a second One Ring, and, you know, and you're using the One Ring, and then Shalob uh, manages to shapeshift between human form and spider form, and they managed to by the time you get to the end of the story at least explain like why Sauron's the eye and all this stuff. And, and like they, they reconcile that ring because it just ends up, he becomes a ring wraith spoilers for the game. But like, (laughs) it still was one where I'm like, this doesn't fit. Like this still doesn't quite fit. It's a fun game. I love it being in the Lord of the Rings world, but it doesn't fit. And so that's kind of my fears with this is, you're going to introduce new stories, new concepts that are going to contradict canon, contradict. Because, I mean, there's one thing you can't say about Tolkien that he didn't leave you enough material. Well, not only that, but he meticulously set up the entire history of his world. And mm-hmm. I mean, down to he created languages. Yeah, for the elves in his in his uh, mythology, and so uh, that's that's really where the I think the apprehension of this show comes from. It's not that the cast won't do a good job. It's not that it won't be beautifully produced and beautifully shot. It's story, and and, yeah. and to be fair, you don't get enough of the story from the trailer. So it, that's it why I'm like snippet. I'm not gonna hate on it until right. I see it. So. But, you know, we'll be a little apprehensive on it. So, all right. So we've we've talked about Book of Boba Fett. We've talked about Reacher. So we talked about Doctor Strange. Talked about Doctor Strange. Let's talk about the one subject that you have nothing to offer on um, because you're not a horror person. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was kind of counting on our third co-host to be on here today. But as, as we've learned in the past uh, couple months, He's unreliable in that aspect. And yes, that shot's fired at you, Pat. I don't, <laughs> as if I expect you to re- go back and listen to this or watch this. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know how familiar you are with the franchise or anything with that, but um, it's it's had a bit of a troubled history when it comes to sequels or at least captivating sequels uh, and, and reboots and requels and all that stuff. And, for anyone who hasn't listened to our, our um, Scream review, uh, a requel is a reboot sequel, uh, essentially, where you take legacy characters from the original, uh, you bring them back for this new version, but you're it's a passing of the torch. What, what the Star Wars Disney trilogy should have been was introducing new characters, passing on the torch, and moving the story forward. Um, 
So this isn't the first requel, technically, for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, it's actually the second. It's also a film I didn't even know was being made, let alone that it was releasing on Netflix like two months be- uh, before I found out it was being made. Um, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, is such an iconic horror film. It's Toby Hooper, 70s, leather f- introduces the you know uh, great character of Leatherface and the Sawyer family. Uh, and then you get the wacky sequel uh, that just goes completely off the rails, but I still enjoy. Then you get the third one, and that one's a mess. And then, and I, I'll get flack from some people on this, but what's my favorite sequel is Next Generation with Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey with a weird mechanical leg in the movie uh, that absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. Um, but for some reason, is is I just absolutely love it. And then you get to... Uh, the, the original reboot, uh, or remake, rather, uh, that Michael Bay produced, which was really good with Jessica Biel, uh, was fantastic reimagining of the original film. And then you get a little bit of a prequel with that one that was not nearly as good. And then you get to the actual first requel, which was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D, because 3D was a gimmick again. Uh, you had Alex Daddario playing in it, and she did a fantastic job. Uh, they, you know, made it be a direct sequel, which is what this film also does. Um, but ultimately, it failed because it made Leatherface a hero rather than a, you know, evil, uh, you know, serial killer. So that's where that movie fell apart. So here comes this one. And of course, you should know it's it's going to be. And let me be clear, I like straight to Netflix films. I know most people hate them. I, you know, most people think they're garbage. Same thing with the Hulu, straight to Hulu films. Same with the straight to Amazon films. But I, I view them in two different categories. Is when I see one coming straight to Netflix, it's I'm going to be a little bit nicer on it because I'm going to already expect people to already hate it because it's not coming <laughs> out on the big screen. Um, and. But with this type of movie and with the quick turnaround of when they released the trailer and when it was coming out, I knew immediately to be concerned with it. And I don't know if I'll be one of the few in the horror community that actually didn't like this film. Uh, Well, to say I didn't like it is a little harsh because there are parts of it I do like and it had so much potential um, that that's why I'm so disappointed in what I got. Um, but this again, this, it wants to take the route of what Halloween 2018 did by bringing back, uh, an original character like Jamie Lee in that one. But unfortunately the original, original Sally passed away, God, six, seven years ago. Um, can't exactly remember when she passed away. So they got to have a different actress in there, which, okay, that's fine. Like you, you can't you're not getting that same type of legitimacy you can get with Jamie Lee Curtis back as Laurie Strode in Halloween 2018. But you have this whole thing be about he's somehow just been hiding in this abandoned town for, let's see, 40, almost 50 years, and no one managed to figure it out that he was hiding in this abandoned town. And it's also got the problem of millennials coming into this town 
buying up the property to then sell off to investors to basically hip hipsterize this town in Texas um, and to be this kind of utopia where they don't want guns and they don't want this and they don't want that. Uh, and then, of course, you find out there were shady dealings with the purchasing of a particular property, which leads to a character death, which leads to everything kind of happening. So they kind of bring it upon themselves. Um, but the most, I think the most egregious thing, and I, I will probably get hate for saying this, and let me be clear, it's not because I believe in the flag, that flag or anything like that. But as, as the young characters come to town and they're looking around and it's an abandoned old town, uh, which is the setting I really like. Like, they misuse this setting so poorly. And that's what, one, another reason why I'm so upset about it is like, you got this great set piece of the town. And you, you could utilize it so much more, and you don't. And that's where you end up just being garbage to me. Uh, but as they're kind of looking at the town and going, oh, I can see my art store being here, and I can see my kitchen being there, and this is where this investor is going to get this, and the investor is going to get that, they look up, and they see a ratty, ratty tattered Confederate flag. And one of the main characters is African-American. And actually, I liked his character because he's kind of a scumbag. And I think he plays a good scumbag. Like, he's he's not trying to be a scumbag. But when it comes to finding out, like, that, oh, he thought he bought all the property and he didn't buy this particular piece of property. And, again, it's kind of why everything happens. Um you know he does he does the role really well and i don't even think he gets nearly as offended as the actual white girls that are with him um but they see the confederate flag and they immediately go if the one let's let's be clear one confederate flag completely tattered ratty has not been cleaned has not been washed has not been upkept for who knows how long they immediately go, if the investors see this flag, they will back out. Now, you got a whole busload of investors coming to this empty town to buy up property that no one's living, like there's, except for the, the mom at the orphanage. No one lives in this town. Uh, and I guess the contractor who, you know, they try to, you know, say he's a, just a southern redneck guy who ends up actually not being terrible um but this one flag would just immediately turn off all the investors who some are white some are asian some are african-american who would probably look at that flag and go yeah that's coming down like that's 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 how you react to that is going oh we'll just take it down right you know (laughs) rather than Oh my God! It, we need to take this down. The bus is on the way. If they see this, they're they're backing out. We're losing all this money. That's that's an overreaction, and part of I think what's pro- a problem with our society now is a knee jerk reaction. Because even <coughs> excuse me when they're talking to, uh, which surprised me, and she does a great job in this is Alice Krieg, who plays the uh, the kind of or- orphanage mother. Um, when she realizes that they're upset about the flag, she's like, 
well, that was my granddaddy's flag. And like, it's the only thing I got left to remind me of him. And I understand why you're upset, but like, it doesn't mean that, you know, and then she ends up uh, having, cause she's old and she's infirm and she's got this oxygen tank. And then they're trying to tell her that she's got to vacate her orphanage uh, because they bought the land and she was supposed to be gone. And she tells them she has the title and they don't believe her. And so she ends up having a, an attack. And um, that's when Leatherface uh, kind of shows up and, um, you know, he's fine. But as he's riding in the police van to get her to a hospital, she passes away, which immediately kind of sets him off on his rampage. Um, so what the movie does right is the gore. It is very gory. It's very good for a horror film. But the rest of the story is just garbage. I, I, if you were a fan of horror film, because I, I know you've been <laughs> quiet here, so I want to involve you a little bit in the conversation. If you're a, 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 a person who enjoys horror films and you want something to mean or if you want to feel an impact of characters of when they die or get off what would you expect at least for the movie to do make me actually care about the characters you got it (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm like is there a trick question (laughs) no no you 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 legitimately got it because there's only one character that they set up any type of empathy for uh, and that's uh, Lila, who is – Claire, the actors do a good job. It's just a garbage story and a garbage script. Uh, but Lila is the survivor of a school shooting, which is kind of surprising because I would have expected this movie with that in there to kind of take an anti-gun stance, but it actually kind of does a pro-gun stance. But that's a message for – whatever your political leanings are, you're going to see whatever you're going to want to see in that messaging. But she's the only character that gets any kind of development. You find out she was a part of a school shooting. She got shot. She survived when her other friends didn't. She's not in a good place. She's on this trip with her sister, who's the only person who will look out for her and kind of get her to relax. But the rest of the characters, because you don't even know what their jobs are. Like I'm sitting here going, this guy has an autopilot, like, $100,000 car, okay? And all I can see is they have one social media post with 2,000 likes. Like, that doesn't equate to me. But apparently he and um, Melody, who is Lila's sister, are cooks. But that doesn't, like, we don't see anything. We don't get any background. We don't know where they got this money from to buy this land. Uh, we know that. Does that mean they're cooking meth? Like, well, no, 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 they're they're actual like cooking <laughs> yeah, meals. But, but you're yeah. trying to figure out how they pay right for how they got their stuff. money and right. um and how they managed to raise money to buy an entire town. Like I I get it when right. it's a deserted ghost town and no one's paying. Like the bank's gonna take whatever the bank can get to offload that property. Um, but the he's got a fiance. They don't even really. Inter- you only get the inclination that his fiance is an artist because she goes, Oh, my art gallery would look really well there. (laughs) And, but they don't even have enough interaction to even develop a strong relationship between them because she goes riding in the police um, van 
with the the sheriff and the deputy and Leatherface and Leatherface's uh, ado- ad- adoptive mom, and it doesn't end well. And I'm like, oh crap, she's gonna die. The the fiance, the girlfriend, whatever, and he's gonna find out the the Dante, the the boyfriend, whatever, is gonna find out, and he's gonna be completely broken up never happens there's no character moment because by the time that things start going down after the bus after the van accident spoilers i guess uh not that you're getting spoiled on much because you know characters are going to die he gets killed and it's like okay and then uh, you know the the investors are the next parts of the body count and it's like I don't care for these characters. In in fact, you've just established to me that Dante as a character is a complete jackass Mm -hmm. because he didn't even know if he had the deed because when they go and look in the bus at, at the deeds, he can't find it. He goes, Oh, I'm sure it's back at home in Austin in the office. And then they go in the house and they find the deed in the house and they, and cause Melody, they tried to make into an empathetic character after being a complete bitch to her sister for about the first 20, 30 minutes of the film. And she feels so terrible. And it's like, but you've been a bitch. I'm sorry. You've been a bitch this entire movie. You, All of you characters except Lila have nothing empathetic about them. You're just yuppies going into this town acting, well, I guess technically they do own it, but, uh, you know, acting like they own it, and then everything happens. Um, The next kind of worst thing about the film is, okay, so you're bringing Sally back from the original film, not character, not actress, obviously, um, but she has no impact. She, in fact since she's been preparing for this for 30 or 40 years or even 50 years, depending on your timeline. Um, she does all the stupid things that she knows not to do because she's been preparing herself for the past five decades. So when she takes, when she has the moment to end everything, she doesn't. And then, of course, hilarity ensues. So, ultimately, it just, it was very disappointing. I think, uh, actually, uh, when I sent Pat a message, I said, well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> it, it's a movie. Um, and and it's really sad, and I think it's actually, oh, right, and it, it's kind of a, a testament for what's wrong with modern horror right now when they're just like, Let's get the gore in there, but let's not develop story. I've watched lower budget horror films from 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago that can tell a better story than what this film did. And uh, and one of my favorites that I, I bet if you're a big horror fan or you like high budget horror, you would hate this, Silent Scream. Silent Scream takes a concept of college kids, getting to use their professor's cabin for the weekend to celebrate. Uh, group one goes the first night and get killed. Group two arrives, can't find anyone, and they get hunted down. Not much of a story there, but they make characters empathetical, and there's a huge twist at the end that just makes me go, okay, 
everything about this movie. The acting's horrible. The kills are horrible. Uh, everything's pretty bad with this. But it's got an interesting enough story. <coughs> Excuse me. I knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, it has an interesting enough story and a really cool twist that makes me go, I love this movie. I love it, even though objectively it's a bad movie. This film, it's got the great aesthetics. It's got the town. It's got a great-looking cast of characters. They're wasted. The, the town is wasted. The characters are wasted. The only thing that's good is the gore and the effects that they use for the gore. When, when he has a particular character basically run through with the chainsaw and is waving the chainsaw up in the air with the body on there, it's really well done. But ultimately, it just it, it fails, and uh, it tries to give you a shock ending that's reminiscent of the original film's ending, which is... It's really pathetic because the car is on autopilot, so the car is moving maybe five miles an hour, and the girl can't get out of the car. Like it's, it's like you're just gonna scream at the camera at what you're seeing when you could easily just hop out of the car and do something about it. And then you get a bit of a post-credit scene, which much like with Book of Boba Fett was. Okay, like if that scene wasn't there, and I doubt that this film's going to get a sequel, it's pointless. Um, so, and what really upsets me about this is knowing that Fidi Alvarez is involved with it, produced it, came up with the story for it. And um, I know that he's no one you're familiar with, but Fidi Alvarez was behind uh, Don't Breathe and the Evil Dead uh, remake or reboot. And those were fantastic horror films he, that he did a really good job on. And I know he didn't direct this one, but he wrote the story and he produced it. And I'm very disappointed, very disappointed that that this is what we got. And quite frankly, let the franchise die. You, you can't <laughs> you can't do you haven't done really a good Texas Chainsaw Massacre film since the original. And I love Texas Chainsaw 2. Heck, I can even watch Leatherface, which is 3. And uh, and then I love, even though I shouldn't love, Next Generation. Oh, I forgot to mention, they did do they did try to do a prequel uh, called Leatherface, which was showing him as a kid. Never watched it because it, it also failed. Uh, so I don't know why you keep thinking you can make more and more and reboot and reboot and reboot <laughs> When, uh, okay, I gotta I gotta add an addendum addendum there because the the original remake 2003 with Jessica Biel was actually really good. Um, in fact, I saw it before I saw the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and uh, that movie was actually really good. And I remember seeing it. I think I saw it with either my aunt or my sister in theaters. Uh, Might have been both of them. I can't remember. And it was really good. And I can revisit it. Uh, everyone does a really good job in that film. And that was because they were just basically taking it and setting it in the seventies and just telling almost the same story, but changing it up a little bit. Whereas these past few ones have just been just not doing a good job with it. So I'm sorry if I've upset anyone who is a fan of it. I saw a, um, a comment on uh, Facebook, I think it was, or on Twitter, 
uh, where it said that this was better than the new Scream. And I'm like, I don't know what you're smoking, <laughs> but if you didn't like the new Scream and you like this over that, you, you're on the wrong side. I'm just got, I just gotta say it. you're on the wrong side of things. So, um, that's my thoughts on it to give it a score. I don't know if this is the lowest score I've gone on, but I know it's pretty darn close because I think the lowest I might have gone on a on a film has been two, but this is getting a one. Like this is this is that bad. I I, I don't know if I will ever revisit it. Um, unfortunately, ever ever again. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I've watched movies like Nightwish. Popcorn, um, Body Melt, Society, uh, Silent Scream, Potpourri, uh, The Barn. Um, oh God, what other? I've got so many darn horror movies. I can't can't remember them all. I got a whole movie tower over there with them, and uh, I've got ones that you can only get on. D- the Stay Awake. Just revisited that film from 1988. Uh, just watched The Zero Boys. Those movies, as cheesy as they are for the 80s and stuff like that, or even if they have low budgets, are far better than most modern horror films. And I'm looking at you, A24. You you guys, and, and Blumhouse is starting to get there too, because Blumhouse just wanted to originally go back to just doing good horror films, and then they wanted to get preachy, and once they started getting preachy, their movies started sucking. Same thing with A24. They're they're doing the same. Even though I like uh, uh, Midsummer, I hated Hereditary. Uh, and they got a. F- I love The Witch, but then they're coming out with other ones where you're just like, no, I don't. Highbrow horror is not horror in my opinion. But that's a that's a topic for another time because I know you're sitting there going. I, I can't comment on anything. <laughs> I'm just looking at stuff on my other screen here, trying not to be too obvious. No, I, I know. I, I knew uh, once once I knew for sure he wasn't joining, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a little bit of a one-sided conversation. But, <laughs> um, but I, I did want to talk about it because it, it, it came out on Friday. So, you know, figured it, this would be a good time to at least get it in there. But, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate um i've heck i've seen other movies netflix has done with horror uh that have been better um what's uh there's a foreign one why can't i think of the name of it um shoot there's a horror one that's set in a kind of a a post-apocalyptic uh future dealing with a hotel and food that was really good um that you know just just do movies like that just just do that don't or if you're going to do texas chainsaw come up with a just a better premise because one the orphanage makes no sense and two the fact that he's been hiding out that orphanage makes no sense so uh yeah that one gets a one from me um and i'll still say check it out even even if you if this turns you off give it a watch it's an hour and 24 minutes so you're not wasting a whole bunch of time um i would say watch reacher instead but um, yeah, there there's other horror you can find out there that's better and even lo- more low budget than this film. Um, so, trying to think if is there any other topics uh, that kind of have come to mind that you might want to squeeze in here in the last twenty minutes? Or I started watching Titans. 
Oh, I don't yes. know if you've done that on the podcast or I not. I have not. I don't think I've covered. I might have talked about season two a while back because uh, season two is far superior. I still need to finish season three, um, and I need to finish or even start season three of Doom Patrol, um, and I need to finish Peacemaker. Now, um, here's here's a question. Yeah, you. I I assume that you'd probably know the answer. Did they start with Titans first and then make Doom Patrol? Yes. Were they at the same time? Uh, because. <clears throat> I assume you're asking that because of the Doom Patrol episode. Yeah, because I'm okay. I'm up to like episode seven or something like that. Just so you know, and it convolutes things even further. That's not the same Doom Patrol. Okay. <laughs> they decided to set because, uh, and I only know this because of the Crisis on Inf- uh, Infinite Earths crossover they did with the CW. They set the Titans from Titans on its own Earth from the doom patrol that is the mainline doom this, patrol show okay so okay um, well the thing is i guess for people that listen to the podcast a lot i'm typically on here for a lot of marvel stuff yeah and um, too many dc things right it's not that i'm don't watch dc things at all it's just that i'm not as familiar or as as versed and that's not to say like i'm so versed in marvel and i've read every comic or anything like that that's not I'm just far more aware of things that are Marvel than I am, um, you know, DC. Right. Like my DC exposure was like the Christopher Reeve movies, the Batman movies, you know, the Adam West series, like watching the Batman the animated series, you know, the cartoon of Superman, the Justice League cartoon, like Teen Titans. Like this, this is where any of my DC knowledge lies. You know, this isn't like, you know, we're passing around the Star Wars comics and like the Marvel comics and stuff between friends and whatever. It wasn't happening with anything DC. I don't know right. why in particular. It just wasn't in my particular group of people, you know? So, <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, I'm sure that people who are far more versed in everything are like way more intense into knowing all the different stuff. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. You know, and pretty much the only thing that I texted you about was I think we talked about it, too, when we saw well, images. We, we talked about it before the show yeah. even aired for the first Yeah, because we saw images is, and I don't know her name. I haven't looked up any uh, of the cast. Anna name. Diop. Okay, playing uh, um, Starfire. Yeah, yeah Corey. The ward, wardrobe, man. Who picked that for her? I don't know. Did she pick it herself? I highly doubt it because I, I can tell. I can tell you this man. because that and this was primarily from the promo images too. They made her look heavier, but she's actually a pretty thin like. Oh yeah, thin the actress. wardrobe doesn't it, you know for Hollywood who likes to make people look thinner. Yeah, it does. That wardrobe makes does nothing for her. Right, and I'm also confused as to why that's even the choice for her. When they seem to be taking everybody else's like things that they wear and kind of like let me let me changing ask, let them? me let me ask you this: How far into the season are you? Like uh, they've they've just gone to the asylum. Okay, that's that's where it's going to kind of start making sense. I can tell you this without it's not really a big spoiler. Before she lost her memory she was working as kind of like a private detective. So it was actually like an undercover costume. And then when she lost her memory, that just happened to be what she was wearing while she was infiltrating that whatever Russian or whatever, whatever it was. So I just, like, I don't they, know. I still just feel like 
whoever made that decision. Oh, it was a poor decision, but they at least oh. came up with a logical I, reason and it, and to try may, and explain it. And it may have been because of the reaction, because I remember we, well, we I joked mean, the saying test, she, she looked like a hooker, like a street she does. hooker. She <laughs> looks like she's about to go walk the street. Yeah. yeah. But, like, that's exactly what she looks like. I mean, like, yes, I had issues with, like, isn't she supposed to be an orange alien? But I can get over that. Her well, they, outfit they even, is so horrible. They even managed to work that in there. You, yeah, you well, just like, haven't gotten there yet. I, I'm like, I don't even care so much as the fact that whatever she's dressed in and they left her dressed in is horrible yeah. compared to every what they've done for everybody else, you know, wise, costuming-wise, yeah, wardrobe-wise. Like with, with, with Dick and his costume's pretty, right. pretty comics it's accurate. good, like, like Raven, Rachel, whatever, yeah. her, like, hood coat thing and with the hood that looks like she clearly fixed it herself that way because I have never seen any jackets <laughs> old. But... You know, like they make they made ch- changes and choices that are like logical for yeah, you're bringing this from a cartoon or right. comic to to live action, and then you have her wearing that for. I'm just like, this is just so sad. Yeah, yeah, no, they <laughs> and they, terrible. And and this is the thing uh, to anyone who hasn't watched Titans because of that type of stuff, um, because I I understand it as someone who has watched Titans since season one and from the premiere of season one, I I get where you're coming from. Um, it gets so much better, and that's why I don't know. Well, like, like the story's great. Like everything else so far is like I'm like okay, well, you know, I'm going along with it. I will. I will say because they had snafus with the, like when they were gonna re- do the because f- I'll, I'll tell you this, you're gonna go immediately into season two. Like if you want the resolution for what happens in episode nine, because episode ten. Is episode one of season two. Of season like, two. They I don't know what happened there, but they had a whole snafu because the first episode of season two is all the finale for the actual finale for season one. But um season one it suffers and this is why I get upset when people go, Season two is horrendous. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but did you watch season one? Like season <laughs> one is not terrible. It's got issues, it's not mm-hmm. fantastic. There's but, some, been some CGI stuff with the Robins that yeah. I'm like, wow, that's like that past. Right. Like, and, wow. And we got to remember within the context of when season one came out was when DC was doing its own streaming service before HBO Max. Now that it's under HBO Max. It's like the gotten, umbrella. Yeah. It's gotten it's gotten better um, versus when it was just because I, you know, I foolishly supported DC Universe. Um <laughs> And I mean, it wasn't really foolish because I am a DC mark. Like I, I love the DC characters more than the Marvel characters. So I'm kind of the other side of the same coin of, as you. Um, but uh, I, I just, cause I wanted, I want more live action shows. I want more uh, looking at some of the other, maybe even BCT uh, uh, tier list uh, characters. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to support this. I want this to succeed. Unfortunately, they were making all of the wrong choices to make it succeed. So HBO max being willing as part of Warner brothers to be like, okay, we'll move the shows from there and we'll just make that a pure comics only uh, service. And uh, you can watch the shows if you've got HBO max, I think was beneficial because then they got some of the extra budget that HBO has access to. Yeah. Uh, that they and, needed. <laughs> and they can now reach out to a wider market. Whereas they were kind of isolated. Like people weren't going to pay for HBO max and DC 
just to watch the DC shows. So right. it allowed them to uh, to grow because when you get to season two, you see a lot of more actual um, iconic character costumes, uh, looking more at like Aqualad. Deathstroke is fantastic. Um, they just do a really good job with it. And what I've watched of season three, which with Reacher having come out, explains something that happens in season three I won't talk about. But um, with what I watched of season three, and I need to get back to it, is it was continuing that upwards trend. Um, so I'm really excited, especially when they're introducing Barbara Gordon into the mix um, as Commissioner Gordon and stuff like that. Uh, it, it really does improve. Now, Doom Patrol starts out just strong and has been strong ever since because it's it's a wacky, silly like Z-list characters that, uh, you know, once they yeah. got Timothy Dalton attached to come in there, I was like, okay, then this is going to be great. Um, and what is there another one? Well, Swamp Thing, they surreptitiously killed, but that's also because the state they were filming in screwed them over on tax-related information. So, because um, Swamp Thing, I, I own it. I haven't finished it, but Swamp Thing was so good. And I hate, hate that that didn't get past the season one because it was great potential uh, to to grow into a great kind of semi horror comic book um, property. And and it's just a shame. I hope they they might revisit it now with kind of the success of Peacemaker and some of that other stuff. That maybe maybe they'll get back to making a season two at some point when when they can recoup those losses but um well i'm kind of content right now with them doing their like doing all these different shows and kind of keeping them separate yeah i mean like for um, the most part i think we've are. had a long time of of doing cw and doing the crossovers and whatever like right you know with like arrow and flash and supergirl and whatever else i can't even remember them all now but I, I, you kind of get tired of that. Just kind of mm-hmm. like you kind of get a little exhausted with Marvel and, and doing all the superhero shows and whatever. I'm kind of enjoying, like, you know, I've been watching the Superman and Lois show, which is, or, yeah, that's on there. It is, yeah. yeah but because yeah. I, I bought it on Vudu, but yeah, it's, it's on HBO Max. And, um, at least the first re- season for sure. Yeah, the first season for sure. I'm really loving this version of Superman yeah. and Lois. Like I have really, really been enjoying it. And I've been very hesitant when people are like, well, how is it? Should I watch it? And I'm like, watch it. Cause it hasn't done me wrong yet. You know, like <laughs> well, hasn't that's, done anything yet. That was, that was the show that I was, I was missing. Cause it went from DC universe instead of going over to HBO max, it went to the CW star girl. Cause that's one I've been trying oh, to yeah. hammer, hammer onto you too to check out as uh, Stargirl because Stargirl does that as well. It, it's, it's in its own, on its own earth. It's, it's pretty well isolated. Now I know they did stuff with this uh, current season that came out, uh, which I still have to watch where they kind of crossed streams a little bit um, with the other stuff, primarily with Jay Garrick. Um, but like that, that's still minor enough, I think, that you don't have yeah. to worry about it. But my um, concern there was they took it because it was so good on DC that once they moved it to CW, because the CW shows right now have problems. Yeah. May- maybe Superman and Lois is kind of isolated from it right now. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, uh, that's why that I'm always tentative. <laughs> um, but that was the primary concern. When we found out Stargirl was moving to there, it's like, don't mess this show up 
because it's doing well and it's doing well with its characters because they made brave choices with, with how they were doing certain characters and it worked for the most part. Um, as long as they don't go full instant Tilly on us, we'll be fine. Um, but like they just did a really good job with it and it being kind of on its own isolated earth really helped it in that aspect rather yeah, than having that interconnectedness. I'm not, I'm not against them doing crossovers with stuff. Like I've really enjoyed it in the past. It's yeah. just that the CW shows have had such issues, you know, and have it, like Supergirl finally got put out of its misery when I f- finally finished that when, season. When that does that like, happen to Batwoman? <laughs> I just didn't, I did I like Superman and Lois so much so far that I'm like so scared they'll ruin it. <laughs> like right. it, by by like oh let's bring in so and so and cross it over and and then that will be the thing that kills it because like you said they've done so well with the show with their character development of and characterization for each specific one that I'm like this is great and they each have their own specific issue to face that is sized properly for that character, it's not like, oh, I'm 13 and I'm saving the entire universe. Like it, everything's very sized appropriate, you know, for what they're, what they're facing. And then Lois and Clark are actually adults that have an actual (laughs) adult relationship and they communicate and they talk about things and they don't just do the, I'm not talking to him for this episode, you know, and stuff like they actually have a relationship and they communicate like actual adult people. It's so great. You know, I got so sick and tired. That's one of the things that really exhausts me with trying to binge watch through like Arrow and the flash and stuff is there's, teenage angsty relationships which which we yeah. can we can uh thank smallville for um, good lord oh but, my gosh yes but again but we gotta look at so that like exhausting at the time smallville came out i was seventh grade you were that season, age range so like yeah. you know it, it it made sense and arrow never bothered me that much but it does it does kind of like the you know drag on with the will they won't they when is iris going to get with barry and all this yeah. stuff and that stuff yeah. and i i do think um at the end of the day it's it's just, they just need to get better writers in there and i think some of the writers uh cuz i i think that's where superman and lois has benefited even though i haven't necessarily watched it yet but i know some of the drama that's kind of gone on behind the scenes has been <laughs> with the writers and writers that wanted to change certain things and force certain things and do this and do that. It, it, that's, that's when you hurt the potential and that's what's happening with flash definitely happened with Supergirl several times. Oh my gosh. Um, Batwoman is a, a very uh, a poor victim of the same thing. Uh, Cause like my, my, I, I own season one and season two still haven't finished season one. Haven't started season two. We'll probably buy season three. Um, but like my big problem with that is you got this new uh, Batwoman in there and you immediately like, and don't get me wrong. Like I don't, I don't know much about the backstory, but I know like she was like, she was homeless, grows up on the streets, whatever. But then you immediately make her like the head of Wayne enterprises. <laughs> and it's like, that that logistically How did that come about? like yeah, yeah logistically that doesn't make sense just it, it makes no sense whatsoever 
Uh, and then when they finally get a suitable replacement for uh, Ruby Rose, they're like, oh, no, she'll just come back for these two episodes and then she's just going to go off. And it's like, well, like, why bother? Because this isn't Batwoman. Like, just putting, making a new character and putting her in the suit doesn't make her Batwoman. Kate Kane is Batwoman. So, like, and I don't even care about the, oh, Kate Kane's a lesbian or stuff like that. Like, it was just they just were doing poor storytelling and and trying yeah. to preach messages and it's like that's not the reason people read or watch these shows it's not why people read the comic books either it, you know but, but i know they want to throw out there well the superman and lois relationship the ollie and dinah relationship the peter and mj relationship well, everyone's so uh, focused on the and it's like they aren't necessarily it's just that's what happens to be the dynamic and they managed to use that dynamic to introduce interesting storylines rather than have it dictate the storyline. Let's have Peter have uh, the issue of should people know I'm Spider-Man or should they not? How does this affect my interpersonal relationships? We don't need to see Peter and MJ getting it on or anything like that, you know, like we don't care what these fictional characters do outside of, I want to see Spider-Man fighting crime and dealing with some personal issues. And then bam, that's it. Like I don't, again, going back to why Reacher succeeds as a show and a show that completely caught me off guard. It didn't try to preach me anything. It didn't try to teach me anything. It just wanted to tell a story. And that's ultimately what we as people who want to escape from, inflation from covid from all this stupid stuff it's why i'm so obsessed with the lost ark right now uh is because yeah the story's not that great but it's interesting enough to keep me and it, it's I, better than reality yeah, right now i can completely zone out i've had three seasons of it's always sunny play on my tv as a rewatch while i'm playing lost ark because i can just have it be a a slight background noise while I'm completely focused on that fantasy world. Um, but looks like we've actually made it the two hours. So <laughs> before we go on any other rants or tirades, I think uh, this would be a great time to go ahead and cut it off. And thank you for anyone that was uh, hanging around and, and listening in the chat. Um, again, these are just, uh, these views can always change too. If, uh, if anyone, wants to attack me for anything I talked about with Texas Chainsaw Massacre or uh, what we talked about with Lord of the Rings, whatever. It's all subject to change, ultimately, um, when it comes to, like, Lord of the Rings for sure, because we haven't even seen it yet. Um, but just notice, or just know that we're we're not talking about this from any other type of place, just as objective points when it comes to viewing a story as a consumer and why a story will work for us versus why it won't work for us. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work for you. And if it works for you, fantastic. Uh, we were, it's just one of these things. I'm always afraid that I'm going to say the wrong thing and, you know, get on someone's pitchfork because <laughs> I, I insulted something. Know this. We're always accepting of everyone and of different opinions. Uh, it's just the stuff that we're tired about when when it comes to entertainment when it comes to media that you can tell these types of stories but you just got to do it right and like superman and lois like leslie was saying is doing it right um reacher did it right but with you know for the most part is doing stuff right 
Um, we hope Lord of the Rings will do it right. We'll see. Um, you know, we it, hope that uh, Doctor Strange is going to be fantastic. Exactly. It's just it, same with like the Cassian Andor show. You know, just we just want things to be done right and done well, and you can introduce those concepts and those ideas like Reacher does by presenting you a situation without preaching you and let you determine based on your own personal interpretation of that scene, what was right and what was wrong. Because I can tell you in that particular scene, 99% of the people would go, that's wrong. Yeah. And if you're the 1% thinking the opposite. um, Yeah. But we, we don't uh, necessarily want you listening to our podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for, for this week. And, I know I keep promising it. My fandom video will come out eventually. Uh, promises, promises. I know. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. We've got a Marvel franchise review. We could. Yeah, we got to get back Thor, to that. Dark World. Um, we'll get that. You got your fandom soon. video. What else is coming out? We got to figure out what we're going to do because Daredevil's coming off of yep, Netflix. We, we got to and... get. Uh, we got to get something. Well, we do have that Parks and Rec uh, series that we. We've been promising for a while, so maybe that's that's what we'll start maybe doing next. Um, I have to figure out. I got to take a PTO day for that one. I think because <laughs> I can't do, can't do it on a Saturday if we do a live stream. Um, so we'll we'll have to see uh, what what or I guess if we do that as the live stream, but it's a Patreon only exclusive live stream that might work. But uh, I have to figure that stuff all out if I'm going to do that way. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get that stuff out for you. We'll figure it out. Um, it probably just the fandom video I wanted to get done uh, this weekend, but I just haven't been. Again, I don't feel sick, but just not. A hundred percent that I don't feel that like winter I, sad. No, nah, it's not even that. I mean, I have a bit of a cough and like my mom had a bit of a cold there, but like nothing like I'm concerned of like with, with COVID or anything like that. But, uh, just, yeah, I've been needing sleep and work has been stressful. So, you know, I know, you know that well, we work oh, at the same yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. I worked uh, like four hours of overtime, four and a half Oof. this morning. So no, no fun. No fun. No bueno. Um, and the next big movie is Batman. Yep. And I or know be Pat, Batman or whatever. Uh, Pat and I are planning on seeing that uh, the fourth, and that should be our topic of discussion for that live stream. Uh, so if you don't get to see it, I guess we just can't have you on. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see because it it all depends schedule oh. wise, and then and it's a like I, I a three saw, hour movie. So yeah, and I saw advanced ticket sales, and I'm like, I just I you know I've gotten real spoiled throughout all of this. <laughs> You know, with being able to watch from home, but then being able to go to the theater and be like one of only maybe 10 people in the house. So right. it's kind of like, I don't I don't like going to the packed house anymore. <laughs> I know that feeling. That's like when when DC released their like little tease of the the DC movies to come this year. And they're like, all in theaters only. I'm like, <laughs> damn it. Like, come on. <laughs> Let's just keep this HBO Max thing going. Uh, my guess is, though contract stuff as we've seen with like what's going on with the matrix and with uh what went on with black widow it's like all those movies that were contracted in between this particular time probably can't and it will be worked on and movies that probably come out in 2024 or 2025 yeah. uh, but like i like what hulu's doing i don't know if uh you you've noticed this or not but uh if they're fox movies like two months after they come out they're just going ahead and streaming them on there. Kings, the Kingsman is now up on Hulu. Uh, Nightmare Alley is up on Hulu, which 
I hate to say I was sorely disappointed in Nightmare Alley, but that's that's more of a me thing because I was <laughs> expecting something else. But uh, all right, I think that's going to do it. We'll wrap it up here and uh, yep. appreciate everyone who stopped by and listened to uh, listen to us jabber on. Thankfully, I was able to figure out how to record this while we live stream, so it will be going up for our normal audio-only listeners. Audio-only listeners, if you haven't, uh, if you missed out on last week's la- or last week's, I keep thinking it's last <laughs> week. If you missed out on our first live stream from two weeks ago, you can go check it out on our YouTube. Uh, and as always, if you want to just like, share, subscribe, send us out to your friends. Let's uh, let's get more people uh, watching. So, all right, guys, we will talk to you next time.